Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Have you ever embarked on a worthwhile project only to find you're bombarded with detractors? Look at the Wright brothers, for example. When they flew their plane, they were besieged with people telling them it would never work. Or do you remember when John Kennedy challenged the United States to put a man in the moon by 1970? Scoffers laughed at him. Many thought it was impossible. More recently, I heard a story where a man who worked his way out of a poor economic environment received a college education, resulting in a job awarding him a six-figure salary. He was the only one in his family to ever reach this achievement. So needless to say, when God called him to leave his job and to open up a health food store in the underserved community he had grown up in, his family and friends thought he had lost his mind. But he persevered. And to this day, he continues to make a difference in the community by providing the resources and tools for how to live a healthy life in spite of their odds. It kind of seems that anytime anyone aspires to be and create a better world or a better life, someone is always there to discourage hope. Now, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's jealousy. If we can't be better, we don't want someone else to be better either. Maybe it's an incorrigible sense of compassion. We all know that the surest way to avoid disappointment is to hope for nothing. Those who are afraid to hope themselves may see it as an act of kindness to discourage hope to others, and by doing so, they might keep somebody from being disappointed. Whatever the reasons, it seems like there are simply some people that tend to raid on one another's parade. We see this come to light in our gospel story today in the city of Jericho. A blind man learns that Jesus is passing by. And he says to himself, this might be my chance. He had obviously heard how Jesus could open blind eyes. If Jesus had done it for others, maybe he would and could do it again. Perhaps it was slim hope, but it was hope. So the blind man makes the decision to go for it. And he reached out. When the noisy crowd told him that Jesus was near, he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. Yet for some strange reason, people begin to scold him and tell him to be quiet. Why would they do that? The man simply wanted to see. And he reached out for his only available hope. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus could restore his sight. But when he acted on that hope, he is met with rebuke. 
People tried to shame him to silence. But the blind man refused to listen. In fact, our reading tells us he shouted all the louder. He rejected despair and held on to hope no matter how fragile it was. He boldly approaches the throne of grace so that he may receive mercy and help in time of need. Put simply, he cries out to Jesus, open, real, and vulnerable. Bartimaeus, he's one of the minor players in our Gospels. He makes this one brief appearance and then he disappears. We know little about him, but he stands before us as a symbol of hope. If anyone ever had a reason to give up, this man sure did. But he refuses to be discouraged. We need a man like that because we need to be people like that. He rejected despair as a way of life. And as for the naysayers and the myths telling him to be quiet, what might we think of them or people we know like them? Maybe it would be good to ponder the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Nothing that we despise in other men is inherently absent from ourselves. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or don't do and more in the light of what they suffer. Thanks be to God that Jesus sees us in this light. He sees right through us and directly into our heart. He knows what it is we suffer, our insecurity, our fear, our doubt. He knows what the root issue really is. Nothing is hidden from him and still he loves us. Lord, we pray that you will give us eyes to see people as you do. Now, I have to say, I sometimes feel like Bartimaeus. Perhaps you have too. Discouraging voices can be heard on every side of every issue. In our culture today, we certainly need not look far for that. These voices can chip away at our hope and we find ourselves subtly sliding down a slippery slope into despair, worry, and doubt. Despair is a debilitating force, one of the most debilitating forces in all of life. Yet in contrast, love is the most powerful. Hold on to this thought. And we'll get back to that in a moment. Now today we learn from this man in our gospel because he is our teacher. He rejects despair as a way of life. He holds on to hope. Refusing to get discouraged, folks, does not mean we live in a dream world, nor does it mean that we're complacent. In the reading of Hebrews today, we see Jesus. He is our great high priest with ready access 
to God. Ready access. Let us not ever lose sight of this. No longer are we under the Old Testament high priest methods. The Old Testament priest's job was to offer sacrifices for the sins of people. Over and over again, animals were offered up at the altar of Israel. But before the priest could make an offering on behalf of the people's sins, he had to make one for his own. He was human. He was sinful. For his entire life, that pattern, sacrifice for his sins, sacrifice for the people's sins, repeat on and on until he dies and someone else takes his place. The writer of Hebrews tells us there have been many of those priests because death prevented them from continuing in office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he lives forever. He sacrificed once and for all when he offered himself a propitiation for our sin. The innocent for the guilty, the sinless for the sinful. Jesus, our perfect, perfect high priest, never turned back from God's rescue plan to reconcile us to himself, even if it meant bitter suffering and a shameful death, all for you and me. He is our perfect high priest, and he hung with outstretched arms on the cross so he could utter the perfect benediction that Aaron and all the other high priests after him never could. It is finished. Jesus, the perfect high priest, is the giver of the law. He is the keeper of the law. He is the one who declares you to be perfect, righteous, through him, through faith in him. You see, God, the creator, is holy and pure. He is perfect in every way. He is the essence of love and light. We cannot approach him ever in our sinful nature except through his son, Jesus Christ. The cross, friends, is an expectant cross. It is a symbol of hope. For God is on one side and all the people on the other side and Christ Jesus is between us to bring us together. And then we read this glorious statement of truth in our Hebrews reading today. He always lives to intercede for you. The message translation puts it this way. He's always on the job to speak up for us. Praise the Lord. He prays for us. He lives for this. May these words be a healing balm to our soul. What wouldn't we long to do for our Savior 
who has done everything for us. The forgiven child of God should rejoice to follow God's word. May we desire nothing more than to keep his commandments close to our hearts. To love the Lord with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. Maybe we find the latter a challenge. We might be able to love our neighbor, but what about loving ourselves? In John's gospel, Jesus takes it a notch higher and he says this, love your neighbor as I love you. I must admit, there are things about myself I don't always love, don't always like either. But I believe in these moments of crisis, Jesus calls us to remember this. If there are sins, we struggle to forget. He promises never to remember. Why? Because of his nail-scarred hands. Jesus, our perfect high priest, will remember forever that your debt is paid, heaven is your home, and you are a chosen child of God. May we be forever mindful of the blood of Jesus and all it covers. Three points I'd like to leave with you. First, God loves you. You are lovable. In fact, he adores you. We must follow and we must allow ourselves to really embrace this truth. Think about it this way. Scripture refers to Jesus as the bridegroom and the church is the bride. You and I are the church. Perhaps you've loved someone so much that you could say, I'm in love with that person. Even this kind of love does not come close to the immeasurable love God has for you. Not close. Only Jesus revealed that God is the father of incomparable tenderness. If we take all goodness, wisdom, and compassion of the best of mothers and fathers who have ever lived, they would only be a faint shadow of the love and mercy in the heart of the redeeming God. The love of God is ultimately known through Jesus, who lives to make intercession for us. I read recently that over a hundred years ago in the Deep South, a phrase common in our Christian culture today, born again, was seldom used. Rather, the words used to describe the breakthrough into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ were this. I was seized by the power of great affection. Wow. Profound, moving way to indicate both 
the initiative of Almighty God and the explosion within the human heart when Jesus becomes Lord. This is the desire of the Father's heart. That we would open ourselves fully to receive this life-transforming love. The heart of Jesus loves us where we are, beyond worthiness and unworthiness. It has no boundaries, no limits, no breaking point. Secondly, this love we have been given, it cannot be contained. We are a vessel used for kingdom purposes in ways you and I will never even imagine. We'll never know to the fullest extent on this side of the veil the impact you have. You are needed and your life matters. Your life, your faith, even if it's only this big, your love is like a fertilizer providing nutrients for kingdom growth. You become an infectious source of God's love in the world. Psalm 23 shows us the love and mercy of God. It cannot be contained within us with these words. My cup runneth over. A cup runs over when it cannot hold all that is being poured into it. God's love flows into you, through you, and out of you. You have kingdom impact. Thirdly, Jesus bids for us to come to him. His heart hurts for us to come to him. He hears the call of Bartimaeus through the clamoring of the crowd, and he calls him to come to him. Bartimaeus throws off his cloak. Did you notice that? The old way of life. His security blanket. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine Jesus asking you that question. The man tells him, I want to see. Jesus does not join the chorus of those who tried to silence the blind man. On the contrary, he says, bring him to me. Jesus found a little flicker of hope in this man. And he fans into it a flame. The healing of Bartimaeus is made clear in our reading. His sight is restored, yes. But the scripture tells us he followed Jesus on the way. His healing led to eternal salvation, life-giving, life-empowering relationship. He had a new cloak of love wrapped around him, and life was all about Jesus. May we cling tightly to our great high priest. King of King and Lord of Lords. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, 
you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.